Hi there, this is Mark Rothman, and I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. And welcome once again to another episode of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 179. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as movies, remakes, sequels, and, of course, movie and DVD releases, and our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we continue our interview, part two of our interview with Mark Rothman, the co-creator of of Laverne and Shirley. He was a writer for TV shows such as She's the Sheriff and, of course, The Odd Couple, Happy Days, and so many more. Fascinating guest. He's got more to say, and it's all coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So I hope you're going to stick around for that. And as we go along, we have fall coming up upon us. Start getting a little chilly sometimes, depending where you are. But, uh, you know, hey, it's it's not too bad. I'm sitting here in the studio and... Uh, it's kind of uh, chilly right now. So, uh, anyways, we're going to try to make it through here. And let's see. We've got uh, to remind you that uh, coming up on On Screen and Beyond, we've got a, a great array of guests coming your way. Next week, we have a superhero coming your way. And the following weeks, we have just more and more guests. Hope you're going to keep uh, writing us. We love to hear from you. And uh, love to hear your suggestions of people you'd like us to have on the show. And we try our best to see what we can do about getting those people. So, anyways, write us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And we'll try to, um, you know, see what we can do about getting those people. Or if you just want to say hi, I'm there. All right? Take it easy and sit back because it's time now to look at Remake Madness right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, well, it looks like Baywatch is back in the news as a script has been written for the possible TV show turned movie as it moves along. And uh, who knows what's going to happen there. They're saying that there could be cameos coming your way. So, hmm, we'll see who's going to make that. And Max Landis, the son of director John Landis, is writing the script for a new Frankenstein movie. So... Turns out he's watching all kinds of the old ones to see what's uh, going on there. And uh, hopefully that'll be a good one. And casting is currently the big question in the remake of The Man from Uncle. Who is going to end up as Napoleon Solo and Ilya Kuryakin? And uh, there's been a lot of things bouncing around. We're not even going to get into that because, you know, until it's settled, who, you know, it doesn't matter who they think is going to be there. It matters who's going to be there. And that's about it for Remake Madness coming up next on Oscar and Beyond Upcoming Movies. Upcoming movies, well, Nathan Lane, Juliana Moore, and Greg Kinnear will star in The English Teacher. And Lane plays a drama teacher helping an English teacher with a play. And she, of course, is played by Moore. And look for Billy Crystal, Bette Midler, and Marissa Torme to star in a comedy called Us and Them. Crystal and Midler will play a couple who are watching their grandchildren and learning something in the process. That's it for upcoming movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond... Sequel City, what's coming your way as far as sequels? Next on On Screen and Beyond. 
This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Sequel City, well, it looks like uh, Rec 3, Genesis, continues the story of a virus gone bad, and the first two involve people inside an apartment building, and the sequel finally takes it outside as it begins to spread even more. And Real Steel, which uh, hasn't even hit theaters, it'll hit theaters next month with Hugh Jackman, uh, the director already says he's got ideas for a sequel. Well, of course, you know, the studios will have the final say on that. Uh, or should I say the general public will have it uh, when they do or don't buy the tickets. That will determine. And Ashley Bell will uh, has signed on for a sequel to The Last Exorcism. That's about it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, it looks like October 25th you can get The Invisible Man, the 1975 sci-fi series which starred David McCallum. Okay, now, of course, he was on uh, The um, Man from U.N.C.L.E., and uh, he did this show called The Invisible Man back in 1975. So uh, it, it didn't last very long, but it's a classic. And on October 11th, you can look for The Girl from U.N.C.L.E., the complete series part one and part two. And on December 13th, Spin City, the complete sixth season, arrives on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we take a look at movies coming your way on DVD. Movies on DVD, well, Steven Spielberg and J.J. Abrams' Super 8 lands on DVD and Blu-ray on November 22nd. Larry Crown with Tom Hanks rides into stores on November 15th. And Apollo 18 arrives on DVD in January. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next, we continue our interview, part two, with Mark Rothman. He was the co-creator of Laverne and Shirley, and he was a writer for that crazy show, The Odd Couple, Happy Days, She's a Sheriff, so many more. He continues his stories next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. And we continue our interview with Mark Rothman right where we left off on the last episode of On Screen and Beyond with the question that I asked him. How was it working on Laverne and Shirley? Was it a good experience overall? Well, see, Gary used to say to us, uh, you know, you, you've put in three years on The Odd Couple. You've basically seen everything. I mean, you withstood three years of this. You can handle anything. But that did not prepare us for Laverne and Shirley. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's fairly well known that uh, <clears throat> there was a lot of dissension on that show. Mm -hmm. I mean, between the girls, uh, among the girls and the writers... Uh, Lenny and Squiggy and the writers. I mean, it was not 
it was a war zone, wow. basically. But this is fairly common yeah. knowledge. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff in the tabloids about it, and it was all pretty accurate. Ah, okay. You know, because you never know. You, you see those things, and you you know, you wonder: is is this all true? <laughs> you know, uh, time has healed a lot of wounds, as mm-hmm. far as that goes. Uh, I mean, Cindy and I are close friends at this point, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, nobody dislikes anybody now. There's no point. But during you know, at the time, there was a sense of. Uh, you know, hey, we're the biggest stars in the world. Yeah. Why, why not treat ourselves like we are? You know, and uh, and hey, here we are, the, uh, the the creators and writers of the biggest hit in the world. Why shouldn't? I mean, we weren't immune. Mm-hmm. You know, we you know it wasn't like you know only they were assholes. I mean, we were assholes too. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, everybody did not. You know, it was not everybody's shining moment. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's put it that way. But um, some wonderful work was done on yeah. the show. Oh, yeah, it was it's a not, great show. It was, it was kind of like the Oakland A's in the 70s. <laughs> you know, they won world championships, but they all, there were, you know, there was a lot of dissension among the ranks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the way it was. I mean, Penny and Cindy were great together. Yeah. Uh but, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of bickering going on. Yeah. You know, uh, and it was not, it was, it was not a fun set. Hmm. It, was not, it was not happy days. Yeah, In yeah. that regard. Yeah. It was different. Huh. But I'm, I'm really not telling tales out of school because this is really, certainly at the time, I mean, everybody knew this. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's you know, yeah. But it's always nice to hear from you know the person who was really involved with it, rather than like you say a tabloid or something. Because well, I'll tell you, I was really kind of on the the periphery of it. Mm -hmm. I was orbiting around it. I tried to really keep my distance from it. Ah, yeah. But even I wasn't immune. You know, uh, there were instances where. You know, I had to, I was forced to take sides, and, you know, I had to, and, you know, it just, you, there, there was some ugliness, but it's really, again, like, uh, we're all going to be in Chicago the beginning of October. That's right. At a, reu- uh, you know, at a, this uh, Hollywood uh, collector's uh, show. Mm-hmm, at, the Ray Quartz event, yeah. Uh, the Ray Quartz event, and, you know, we all can't wait to see each other. Yeah, I understand uh, you know, Penny's going to be there, and Cindy's yeah. going to be there, and uh, Henry's uh, going to be there. Eddie Mecca, Leslie Easterbrook, Ed, yeah. uh, and me. Wow. And, we, you know, it's going to be like family. It's gonna, You know, families go through a lot of crap together, but oh, yeah. it's still family. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and uh, you know, all of the, none of that is as important as, uh, you know, you know, we, it's like we all went through a war together. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, so there are maybe a few little scars left over, but, uh, you know, the bottom line is, hey, we all did pretty well from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, we, as a result, though, nobody, certainly no uh, showrunner, with the show. I mean, we did the first year and a half. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's as long as anybody ever did. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, they went through different um, showrunners, like, I mean, it, <clears throat> uh, usually it was like one a year. So now, just so our audience knows what you're talking about, when you say showrunner, you're referring to a I'm writer? I'm referring to the, the person who is in charge of the writing. Yeah, okay. Which in in sitcom uh, world is the creative, usually the creative boss. Uh-huh, yeah. On a show, you know, sometimes the power, uh, you know, is somewhere else. On, on that show, the power was with the girls. Mm-hmm. But... Somebody had to do the, you know, had to be the uh, the showrunner in terms of writing, and it wasn't the girls. Yeah, yeah. So, but one of the reasons they didn't want to stay that long was because, you know, they felt like they really, you know, weren't being listened to as much as they wanted to be, and and they were in demand other places, and uh, you know, do they really need? any aggravation in their lives and mm-hmm. most of them decided they didn't they didn't you yeah. know Lowell and I had other and uh, you know to us it appeared to be better uh, and bigger fish and to fry in our lives so we went yeah, yeah. So, so now you were on that show there was discontent and things um, and then you went to uh, you had the show she's the sheriff and of well, course that was way later yeah. right way later but that's there's a show where Suzanne Summers was on the show, correct? Right. And, of course, she had had problems in Three's Company. So right. did when you were doing that show, were you leery of any problems of, like, that coming back to the new show? Not really. I mean, she was of a mindset. For one thing, she was, like, very down-to-earth, mm-hmm. very sweet. And within a very short time, convinced that she was in good hands with me. Ah, uh, I see, yeah. So it was very easy to work with her. Mm-hmm. And and she list- and she kept hearing the audience, you know, laughing their heads off. Yeah. And she said, you know, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, so, so don't rock uh, the boat. <laughs> what? Don't rock the boat if it's going good. <laughs> really? So, uh, so we got along famously. And I was very again. It's a it's a show that when you think about it on paper, had no reason to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was a very tough buy to believe that someone who looked like her, with the bl- the blonde hair and the long fingernails, being poured into a sheriff's outfit, right, <laughs> was at any kind of convincing. I mean, it was, uh, you know, and, and what self respecting. TV critic is going to say, you know, I watched this show, she's the sheriff, you know, Mary Tyler Moore, move over. It's the second coming (laughs) of greatness uh, in comedy. You know, it's just, it would, it's expecting too much. I knew that we were doing a good show. The audience knew, the writers knew, everybody knew, but what what critic is going to admit that? Yeah, yeah. It's packaging. Yeah. Everything is packaging. But it was a very fast-paced show. Yeah. I pride myself on how uh, I was, you know, it was one of the 
first instances of basically cutting down the time from about 23 minutes an episode to 21 and a half. Aha, commercials, yeah. And because they had an added an extra commercial. Right. And it was like, so I got to just tell this story faster. Yeah. Is that difficult to do? I just regarded it as a challenge. Ah, yeah. And I think it was easy to do. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I am, I'm one of those guys, it's like, okay, guys, I say to the writers, come on, let's take that. I'm Teddy Roosevelt. Let's charge up that hill. Let's go get him. Let's do what we have to do. And I regarded nothing as, uh, as too difficult. Mm-hmm. And it was a show uh, where I think I was on it for the first year, and we did 22 episodes, and I would say, of the 22, I was very proud of 18. Uh-huh. That's yeah. a pretty high average. Yeah. Now, and you also directed one of those shows, right? Yeah. Yeah? Did, did you enjoy directing? Very much. Yeah? Um, and, uh, you know, there was resistance to me directing. You know, they tried to use that show as a guinea pig to break in untried directors. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and all it ended up doing was making more work for me. Uh-huh. I had to go down and, and straighten out their messes. Huh, yeah. And, you know, the best week that the show ever had, according to Suzanne and the other actors, was the week I directed. Hmm. Because, you know, for one thing, if you're directing and you're the showrunner, you can go and, and things, you look at things and say, all right, that's not working, throw that out. Yeah. You know, you don't have to make four phone calls upstairs and have the executive producer come down and approve it or not approve it. You could just, you know, everything was more efficient because they said, okay, I see what the problem is. We'll do, we'll do, we won't do this here. Right. And, you know, it was, it was <clears throat> if they had let me do it more often, they would have saved a lot of money because they wouldn't have gone into overtime as often as we did. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. So, uh, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I was just as happy not directing, except again, you didn't have a whole lot of, see, what you don't understand about, or what most people don't understand about sitcom directors is that they are basically traffic cops. I mean, they are not creator the, you know, the silliest emmy award that you'll see every year is for the best direction uh, on a sitcom mm-hmm. because i mean they're not any adding anything creative yeah they are essentially working with one eye over their shoulder looking at the exec you know the, at the showrunner saying is this what you want uh, i see yeah you know, I mean, the executive producer is doing the directing, whether he's given the title or not. Hmm. So, uh, you know, it's it's ludicrous when I see people, you know, going up and taking credit for you know directing a sitcom episode. Yeah, yeah. It, what they're all they're doing is making sure that one one camera isn't bumping into another, and that is not in the, in the other shot. Ah, I see. That's all it is. Yeah. You know. And they're not around to edit the film. They're off to their next assignment after their week. And the film is left in my lap. So, yeah, it's it's more like you're directing it than... (laughs) Yeah. 
so uh, you know that's my feeling about that yeah but, uh, now you also delved into uh, composing music too for one of the shows well I started out I mean in college I wrote some songs ah okay I, and uh, I even uh, again there's stuff in the book about how uh uh, there were a few weeks where we had been fired from the odd couple after like uh, eight weeks, uh, along with a lot of other people, because, you know, what we had tried to contribute was uh, buried by the people above us. They held a pen over us. Mm-hmm. So what we wrote very rarely got seen by Jack or Tony. Uh-huh. So they essentially thought to themselves, well, I guess we made a mistake with these guys, you know. Huh. So, I mean, you know, it's like, all right, so what are we going to do with ourselves? Now, we lived across the street from the original comedy store. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I used to do, uh, uh, I played the banjo, and I wrote songs, and I said, well, what the heck, I will go up on stage, and, and they were all comedy songs, you know. And I went up on stage, and I did them. You know, mm-hmm. I got great reaction on him. And, uh, but it, I kind of got bored very quickly with it because I, it's like, what am I going to do? I mean, if you're familiar with the comedy store at the time, most of the same people were there every night. Ah, uh, okay. So it's like, I would think to myself, they've all heard this stuff already. You know, it's either I'm going to sit and write new all the time or, uh, you know, or I'm going to get bored very quickly or they're going to get bored very quickly of me. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, they rehired me very soon after that. And I didn't have to concern myself with it. Uh-huh. So I always had a musical bent, and I still do. I'm one of the, mo- for the most knowledgeable heterosexuals about uh, musical theater. Huh. Yeah. And uh, I've written uh, a handful of uh, theme songs for uh, pilots. I wrote the theme music for Busting Loose. Busting Loose, yeah. And uh, the Ted, I did a show with Ted Knight, and I wrote the theme music for that, and a handful of pilots. And I, you know, if... if push came to shove, I could easily have fallen into a a musical career. Huh. Wow. (laughs) Multi-talented. Well, at least in those areas. Those are the things I'm good at. I'm very bad at most things, but (laughs) the things I'm good at, I'm very good. (laughs) Of all the things you've written, now I'm talking, I I know I asked you specifically about uh, uh, The Odd Couple, but of all the shows that you've written and been involved with, which one are you most proud of? Well, you know, they're all my children, essentially. True. Uh, I, you know, I would have to say, of all of the ones that, you know, were really our shows and not Gary's shows, mm-hmm. uh, I guess I'd have to say Busting Loose. Ah, yeah. Because that was really ours, and it was really the funniest and... Uh, uh, and it sustained well. It could have been a big hit. And uh, I have more pleasant memories of that show 
and I recently converted. I, you know, I found, you know, I, this is like 1977, mm-hmm. and what we had then was Betamax. Right. Yeah. And I recently found an old Betamax machine in a closet that I didn't think worked, and it actually still did work. Mm-hmm. And I had all the old beta tapes of that show, and I was able <coughs> to convert them to DVD. Really? So I have most of them on DVD now. Wow. And it really holds up. Huh. It was very, very funny. It still is very funny. And, uh, yeah, I have a lot of, a, a lot of very positive feelings about that. Yeah. Now, but as I say, I'm not ashamed of any of them. I mean, I like She's the Sheriff just about as much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but And, again, and that was me without Lowell. So, you know, in a way, there was a, a little bit more personal pride. It was really my own stamp on yeah. things. Yeah. Now, shows like Bust and Loose, uh, they're not available on DVD in general, right? Oh, it's completely vanished. Right, so... It, it, is it any chance that those may be someday put out? Because I myself like some of those shows that were, you know, short-lived shows that you don't see on DVD. But once in a while, a show will pop up that's, you know, one of those shows that was only on for a short run, and then they put it out. Uh, any chance you think that'll ever come to DVD? I have no idea who, you know, if they saved the Masters. You know, I, you know nobody, nobody keeps me apprised of these things. Right, yeah. Yeah. All I knew was I had a collection of them on beta in my closet, and I was able to transfer them. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, nobody uh, keeps, you know, I, I don't keep tabs on it, nor do people tell me. Right, so yeah. I wish I had a way of knowing, because it's a shame more people can't see them. Right, yeah, because there's so many gems that are out there. And, and, of course, a lot of times, like you say, shows are good, but the networks don't, Either they put them up against some mega hit that, you know, it's never going to, no show is going to live <laughs> next to, right. or they just don't give it enough time to develop like they used to. Shows used to get a chance to develop, but now, first week, if they aren't a huge hit, they, they, they cut them, you know. <laughs> yes, we had a lot more to- of a chance to fail in those days Yeah, uh, than you do now. Yeah. Now, rumors of Laverne and Shirley movie have been going on for a long time. Um, after Valentine's Day, Gary Marshall made Valentine's Day the film. Um, a couple of actors said that they gave Gary the idea of bringing up, you know, bringing back a, a film version of Laverne and Shirley. But actually, I'd heard rumors of this for years. Uh, have you heard anything about uh, Laverne and Shirley movie? Well, I've actually written a screenplay for it. You have? Okay. Yes, I got paid for it. Ah, okay. Uh, I'm talking like uh, this is about eight years ago. Ah. Um, They came to Lowell and me and said, uh, uh, we would like to do, uh, Scott Rudin's people said, along with Paramount, said we'd like to do a Laverne and Shirley movie. But we need you to sign a piece of paper to allow us to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. So we basically had them by the cojones, and I said, I'd be delighted, but I want to write the screenplay. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lowell at that point was, you know, 
busy turning down more important stuff than that. So he didn't want any part of it, but he knew I did. So, um, you know, he gave it my his blessing, and I wrote what I thought was a great movie. I mean, if you read this script, you will say, my God, why didn't they make this? Huh. And, you know, but movies don't get made for whole lots of reasons. That's right, you know? yeah, that's true. And it's out of my hands. I got paid. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that kind of closed. I mean, a lot of it had to do with they wanted, you know, the, part of the reason they wanted to do it was uh, they wanted Penny to direct it. Yeah. Now, Penny hasn't directed a movie. I mean, at that point, she hadn't directed a movie in about five years. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, eight years ago. Right, yeah. So I don't know if people realize, but she hasn't been to the Post in quite a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, for whatever reason, she didn't fall in love with it, and uh, it never got made. But I'm <clears throat> as God is my witness... It is the perfect way of telling the story of Laverne and Shirley mm -hmm. because it covers all the things that the TV show never covered. Okay, yeah. About them. How did they meet? How did they meet Lenny and Squiggy? Mm -hmm. How did Lenny and Squiggy meet each other? Yeah, yeah. Uh, why did they move to California? How did they move to California? All of these things are covered in this movie. Yeah. In what I think is a hilarious fashion. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it's, I'm just telling you, it's out there. It's on paper in my house. And I don't own it anymore. There's nothing I can do with it. Oh, so they can do <laughs> what they want now? Yeah. Ah, okay. Their script. Yeah. They paid me handsomely for it. And it's sitting probably in a drawer somewhere at yeah. Paramount. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you like when they take a classic TV, personally, do you like when they take a classic TV show like Laverne and Shirley or whatever and make it into a film? I mean, so many are failures and, you know, very few are, are ever hits. Well, if you took this one and cast, like, Drew Barrymore and Kate Hudson in the leads, it would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it, because it was designed to be about the young Laverne, you know, the Laverne and Shirley, the age they were when the TV show was on. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if they did that one, it would be great. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, to me, it makes, I mean, it makes uh, sense. I mean, you're the writer, you know, the creator of it, so you have a better concept of... Well, when I dealt with the people involved, I, I, look, I said, look, I'm here to write. You tell me what movie you want me to write, and I'll be happy to do anything you want me to do. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a clue. <laughs> Jeez. If they did, they didn't tell me. Yeah. And I had a clue. I had every clue. I yeah. knew exactly what the movie should be. Yeah. And I told them what I had in mind. They said, go to it. Were they executives that were probably not even born when the show was originally on? <laughs> no, they were probably born. Okay, because you know, a lot of times you hear about <laughs> these people that come up with, and they, they put people in charge of a movie that was an old TV show, and 
they weren't even born when the show was on, so they have no concept of what it was about. So why even make the movie? Well, in all <laughs> fairness, there was a sense of you really had to know the show. Right, yeah. The more you knew the show, the more you'd like the movie. Right, yeah. Well, that's what a lot of times when they make these shows, they, they totally change the, the, the story and or the the personality of the characters and things like that and then, at that point it's like okay now why are you calling it you know whatever Laverne and Shirley if it's not Laverne and Shirley <laughs> no this is if you like Laverne and Shirley you would love this movie yeah yeah that's what that was the goal yeah to get the fans of Laverne and Shirley to to love this yeah well, that's that's you know to me if you're going to make a an old TV show over you want the old fans to enjoy it as much as the the new fans. It's an interesting question. Has there ever been a good TV, uh, movie version of an old TV series? Well, you know, I was I was making a list when I was thinking about that in my head here, and uh, I'm trying to think like Land of the Lost just recently. You know, bomb <laughs> didn't. It was no good. Uh, I don't know from Land of the Lost. Yeah. I've heard of it, but I never. Uh, saw the A Team. Again, I never liked the A Team. Yeah, and it so. never it, the the movie never you know lived up to that. And right. uh, McHale's Navy. Never liked McHale's Navy. <laughs> well, the, then you probably would have liked the movie even more. <laughs> my favorite sitcom of all time was Sergeant Bilko, and I think. The movie was an atrocity. Yep, yep, so, yep. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's, I mean, the only one I could think of that even came close to, and I don't want to call it a hit, the Charlie's Angels movies. That they watched Charlie's Angels. <laughs> well, you know, when they remade the movies recently, they actually made three. So, you know, money-wise, box office-wise, I think it made, you know, it was considered a hit. But, you know, really... It, it wasn't the same movie. I mean, you know, the same show. Or so, yeah. It's very seldom. Very seldom do they ever. You know what? I think the timing on the Laverne and Shirley movie was. I mean, they were maybe they were considering making it, and then the Bewitched movie came out and tanked. Yeah, there again. And they it. said, "What are we wasting our time trying to do something like yeah. this?" You know, very difficult, to, especially with a show that people really loved yeah it's hard to redo it and do it right well i'm telling you if if it was put in the right even if you know if penny had direct, fallen in love with it and directed it it would have been great yeah mm -hmm. she's good at what she does oh yes and the script was there yeah you know yeah. uh you know this one would have worked yeah hmm well, Mark, I have two more questions for you. That uh, only two? Only two. <laughs> My God, how long have we been going on here? Oh, about an hour and twenty minutes so far. You're kidding? Okay. <laughs> so I, I don't want to hold you on too long here. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But um, of all the TV shows ever made, 
What are your favorite TV shows? It's interesting because I'm doing a whole series about that on the blog. Uh huh. Okay. This week. Now you're talking sitcoms. A- any? <clears throat> excuse me. Anything that you enjoy. Oh. Well, what are your favorite you know, shows? You know, I'm a first generation TV baby. Hmm. You know, and but I particularly love the great sitcoms. I mean, one of the reasons I, I turned into what I've been is because I had a great appreciation of what came before me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, my favorite sitcom of all time is Sergeant Bilko. Yeah, classic like, one there. Like, I mean, hands down. Uh, <clears throat> other than that, I love Two and a Half Men. Ah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I love all the Chuck Laurie shows. I it, think he's terrific. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with uh, replacing Charlie Sheen. Well, to me, the show was never about him. It was about good writing. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't make it all that much better. Yeah. And if they had continued with him, I think it would have been difficult for me to watch it because... I really found out what he actually is like, and it would have made me not like him. Uh, And not like the show because he was in it. Yeah. So I think him not being in it was the best thing they could do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love love Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, Well, you know, I'm trying to think. You know, you know, it was a great series. I loved uh, the Defenders, yes, and yeah. Naked City, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, the Dick Powell show. Now, there's a show you don't remember. I, I, I remember the name. I don't remember the show itself. I don't can't say it I saw an, the show. An anthology, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Different casts, different stories. It was like a one-hour movie yeah. every week. And it was just so stylish and so inventive and so well-written and so well-played. Uh, I loved I Spy. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, you know, basically, you know, the stuff that was, was you know, I didn't lo- like anything that wasn't done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I loved everything that was done well. And, uh, I'm sure. Dick Van Dyke, you must have liked that one you said. Love Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke is in my top three. Yeah. We had, okay. uh, a couple of years back, I had uh, Rosemary on the show. And oh, I love, you know. What a delight she was. You know, it was weird when we uh, when we did uh, uh, Happy Days mm-hmm. and The Odd Couple. I got to work with uh, Jerry Paris. Yes, yeah. Uh, he directed some, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he, you know, we would remind him of things that happened on the Van Dyke show. Yeah, because like I said, we watched it the reruns every night. Mm-hmm. And he had not remembered them. You know? Yeah. And I have a friend, as a result of my blog, who is like the world's biggest odd couple fan, who found my blog because he is the world's biggest odd couple fan. Mm-hmm. And he reminds me of things 
that happened that I was around for. Yeah. And it's the exact same parallel relationship that I had with Jerry Paris. <laughs> he will say to me, uh, you know, then you did this, this, and this. Oh, yeah, we did it. But I didn't remember it until he brought it up. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, But uh, so it's fascinating to me when, you know, Odd Couple was so popular in New York and syndication that, you know, if you're that big a fan, you got like a double dose of it every night because they ran two episodes back to back from 11 to midnight. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And... uh, uh, so it was easy if you really wanted to pay attention to uh, learn to know more about it than someone who worked on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Diehard fans know every little detail. <laughs> every, but stuff that there's no need to know. You yeah. Know? <laughs> That aren't interesting, you know. Yeah, yeah. I recently had Victor Miller on the show, who was a writer for All My Children, and he uh-huh. also wrote Friday the 13th. You know, it's weird. I was a, there was a period of about two years in the mid-80s where I got hooked on all my children. Really? (laughs) And I was so ashamed of myself. (laughs) Because, I mean, soap opera writing is the lowest form of writing. (laughs) Because you have, I mean, Gary used to write on our scripts occasionally when he wasn't happy with it. He'd put, you know, notes in our scripts. He would write BR or RR. BR stood for better writing. <laughs> and RR was rotten writing. <laughs> and this is a trick he picked up from Carl Reiner when he wrote scripts of the Van Dyke show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Soap opera writing is replete with RR <laughs> because, um, it, by its very nature, because it's on five times a week. Right. Yeah. You constantly. I mean, the wor- one of the worst things you can do as a writer is have characters saying things to each other that they know that the other character already knows. Right. <laughs> you know, they t- said, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but they do it anyway because they're trying to keep those people who only watch the show twice a week yeah, up informed to yeah. on, on, on what's going on. Yeah. So, but, so I was hooked on it for like two years and then they resolved a major storyline in a most ridiculous fashion, and I felt so stupid for being hooked, you know, hooked along all that time that I just said, never again, I've, I'm, I'm giving up, I'm not watching it anymore, you know? And, like, three years ago, I had some uh, uh, surgery on my uh, rotator cuff, mm-hmm. yeah. and I had to go to therapy, you go to this like gym where you had to work out, yeah, and uh, and, um, <clears throat> and you had to be there and stand and do the exercises and lift the weights. And there was a TV on in the corner, and 
It was tuned to all my children. <laughs> and it was my first encounter with the show since the mid-'80s, mm-hmm. you know? And there was Tad Martin looking puffy around 50. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there was Adam Chandler, and there was Susan Lucci. And it was like... Within 20 minutes, it was like I was back to where I was with it. <laughs> Not that I, I was hooked, but I was like, it's like I hadn't missed anything. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, there were a few characters who uh, I didn't recognize, but because of RR, you got to learn who they were very quickly, right. you know? Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, by the way, I think Susan Lucci deserved the Emmy Award. There's an Emmy Award that mattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because to be the best actress on a soap opera, which she was, I mean, to have to say all that RR all the time <laughs> and make it believable. And, and, and she took it one step further. She was this, essentially, this villainous person who got you to love her. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's hard. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> That's very hard. Uh, so, uh, she should have won every year. Well, that's what I was saying about Victor Miller. He was saying that characters, uh, fans rather, know the characters inside out, like you were saying, and they know more than you remember, even if you're the writer for it. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, what about movies? What are your favorite all-time movies? I'll tell you my all-time. It just came up on the blog again. Now, again, I did a whole run of the top ten movies of all time mm-hmm. yeah. based on the AFI list. Yep. I, I basically said I'm only going to deal with the AFI list but in terms of the best, not necessarily my favorite. Yeah. And my feeling is a. Uh, of the from the, of the AFI list, um, you know their number ones. You know they did it twice. Yeah, yeah. And number one both times on the AFI list was Citizen Citizen Kane, Kane of course. Yeah. And uh, I basically boiled it down to the top four, uh, which were in my mind. Citizen Kane, Casablanca, Singing in the Rain, and Raging Bull. Ah. What, and, what? and Citizen Kane, in my mind, was fourth. Ah, okay. Yeah. Because, for a, a very significant reason. Uh, at no point in that movie do you care about anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's not, you don't, you just don't, there's no emotional involvement. True, yeah. In Citizen Kane. Yeah, it's I see like, your point. Ooh, like, look at what he did on the screen, you know. It's very impressive, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you re- I mean, you don't care about Charles Foster Kane. The actress who played his second wife was annoying. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to see a lot of ceilings that you never saw in movies before. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, really. No, to me, the the best movie, I mean, the best movie ever made 
was Casablanca. Ah, uh, yes. Classic. Classic. It's got everything. Mm-hmm. It's just got everything. Yeah. Uh, classic scenes. It's the best love story ever told. Um, it's, it has a spontaneity to it. It looks like it was shot the day before yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Raging Bull was just great artistry. Mm-hmm. It was it was basically Scorsese took the best of Citizen Kane and infused emotion into it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Singing in the Rain just has the best, it was the best musical movie ever made and has the greatest scene in it uh, ever shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it leave, you you leave the theater and you you want to dance in puddles, right? <laughs> you know. So what more can you ask? Of, of, so that's why Citizen uh, Singing in the Rain beat out Raging Bull. Yeah. What about you? None, none of them are my favorite movie. Yeah. My what? favorite movie is a movie you probably you may remember, you may not. I don't know. It's called The Miracle of Morgan's Creek. Hello. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't don't think I remember that one. Miracle of, you know, Preston Sturges. Mm-hmm. Uh, Preston Sturges, from like 1939 to 1945, directed about a movie a year, one better than the next. Uh, he was probably the greatest comedy director who ever lived hmm. and after 45 he kind of lost it but uh, Miracle of Morgan's Creek was his movie for 1942 Okay, and uh, it, w- it was about this girl who find, who goes to a party to you know uh, entertain the GIs who are about to go overseas and finds out that she's pregnant, but doesn't know who the father is. She got drunk, and she's looking for her boyfriend, who was played by Eddie Bracken, to basically marry her and, you know, make things look right anyway. Now, the, the, the female star of Miracle of Morgan's Creek was Betty Hutton, okay. who was probably the worst actress who was ever a movie star. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that Sturges made this wonderful movie with the world's worst actress in the lead. Mm-hmm. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> and it is. I mean, it's, the, it's just the best movie. Huh. Well, I know. I mean, it's, the, it's my favorite. I mean, you look at it. You want to just give it a hug. Yeah. And William Demarest plays his, her father and is just hilarious in it. Huh. Everybody is just hilarious in it. Huh. And, uh, you know, if, if nothing else, you should go out. I mean, again, this, we are living in the golden age of television. You can get anything on DVD. Right. And go look at, you know, go look at the IMDb list. Uh, on the internet, look at the movies that, that Sturgis made between 1939 and 1945, and rent or get it get it from the library, or wait till they 
you know, TiVo them when they show up on Turner Classic Movies. Right, yeah. And watch them all. Yeah. Because they are all that good. I just happen to have a particular uh, affinity for Miracle of Morgan's Creek, but the others are all called, one of them is The Lady Eve, one of them is The Palm Beach Story, one of them is Hail the Conquering Hero, um, uh, one is The Great McGinty, and, you know, they're just all about as funny as the, the other. Yeah. And all brilliant and literate and brilliantly directed hmm. well, in I'm... a way that nothing that has followed uh, has been. Yeah, and I know a lot of our listeners do check out the films that uh, our guests mention, so I know a lot of them will be uh, checking that, that film out because uh, they do email me and say, hey, I watched that movie that so-and-so spoke about, and they say it's a great film, or you know, or they didn't like it, or whatever. Well, one know? of the things I tell writers... You know, for, you know, people who want to become writers is, you know, get acquainted with the history of movies. Right, yeah. I mean, you should have, be able to talk in shorthand to writers about about certain movies. You shouldn't have to say, you never saw that? <laughs> you know, you should know what you should be aspiring to. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that... You know, you know what? What is your stalking horse? And it's those movies. Yeah, you should want to be. You, you know, you should want to do. You know, I always ask writers. I say, you know, what is it? Why do you want to write? What is it about you that makes you think that you have something worth putting down on paper? You know. Mm-hmm. And you ought to really have a good answer for that. Yeah. And it shouldn't be, uh, well, maybe I can break through and make it a lot of money. <laughs> yes. It's got to be because I think I have wonderful ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I can tell them wonderfully. And if you got that going for you and you really believe it, then you should never be staring at the blank page. Yeah. You know, I'm not a prolific writer. I'm because I don't get a lot of really good ideas. And the reason for that, I, I do write about this in the book, is that I know all the, all the good ideas. I've seen all these movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been pitched all the ideas in the world by writers trying to sell me scripts. I know all the good ideas. As a result, it's very tough for me to come up with a new one. Yeah. yeah. But So I come up with a good idea like once every three years. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very fast writer, so it takes me about three weeks to execute it. Now, if you come up with a good idea once every three years, and it takes you three weeks to write it, that leaves you with a, a lot of free time. Yes. <laughs> you know? And uh, so I, I would say to a writer, if you're having trouble facing the blank page, it's because you don't have, you're not sitting down with a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And there's no point in sitting down and facing the blank page unless you have a real good idea. Mm-hmm. As a result, I don't write. 
I don't I don't get up and, and write every day. Yeah. Because I just don't have. But when I do, I just tear through the pages. It's never a matter with me of uh, uh, staring at a blank page. It's like let me at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's weird how the the good the good ideas come to you to me anyway. Yeah, I have actually dreamt movies. Really? Yeah. Yes, I have a screenplay sitting in my briefcase that is is great, and I could be objective about it being great because I felt like I haven't written it. I felt like well, I dreamt it. So I can be objective about it because it's like I saw it. I didn't write it. I saw it in my dream. Mm-hmm. And uh, now that's happened to me a bunch of times where I would uh, I would be dreaming that I was literally sitting in a movie theater watching a movie and really knocked out by it. And I have total recall of my dreams. Mm-hmm. And then I wake up. And I'd usually start writing down what I had been dreaming and watching. And I would say to myself, why on earth did I think that was any good? That was gibberish, (laughs) you know? Uh, But that this last time, I dreamt this movie. I mean, I cast it in my head. I mean, I I saw the cast on the screen. It was Nathan Lane and uh, Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. and uh, Lisa Kudrow, and it was this wonderful movie. And I woke up, and I said, wait a minute, this really is a good movie. So I immediately started, you know, I said, I didn't have to face any blank page. I just went and started writing. Yeah. And what I had ended up dreaming turned out to be the first half of the movie. Wow. And then, faced with that, I then said to myself, okay, what's the rest of it? Time to go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't have to. Because there's this thing, and I also talk to writers about, there's this thing called story thrust. Uh, it's a, a, a term I made up. Mm-hmm. And what it is essentially is you have, <laughs> if you have something wonderful, then you have to, and you're, you're working on it, you've got everything that is wonderful pushing you ahead to write the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you get to every new page, you say to yourself, now, I got to about page 45 on this script, and I said to myself, okay, I've got this. What can I do on page 46 that would be wonderful based on the first 45 pages? And you do that with every page. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know where I was going with it. Huh. You I mean usually when I sit down to write a play or a, a screenplay, I mean I very rarely work with an outline because I just find it too, find it too confining. Yeah. I mean I know essentially what story I'm telling, and I know how it's going to end. But along the way, I maybe want to make a left turn or a right turn, 
I mean, working with an outline is for me is kind of like a jazz player trying having to stick to the charts, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I need the room. I need the wiggle room. And uh, so, um, but on this one, I had no idea where it was going until I got there. Yeah. And then it was like the most natural ending you could imagine for it. Hmm. And uh, and what I'm attempting to do now that I've found Kindle is, because, because this is the kind of movie that is very expensive to make. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's a, about Hollywood in the early 1930s. Okay. So, so it involves period cars. It involves morphing. You know what morphing is? The, the, the character ages? No. No? Okay. <laughs> no. It's when you want to put your contemporary actors in scenes with, like, John Wayne and oh, okay. Mark Gable. Mm-hmm. So you got to get all the rights for that. Wow. <laughs> okay. You know? So what I'm going to do, now that I've found Kindle, is I'm going to turn this baby into a novel. Mm-hmm. And if it goes over well as a novel, then there'll be interest in it. And, and people will say, well, look how di- well it did as a book. And, you know, maybe it's worth spending the money to make it into a big budget movie. Right, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing what opportunities can happen. You know, Kindle has essentially said, well, look, I can turn all these, what I think are wonderful screenplays, into novels. Mm-hmm. And and I won't, I only am thinking in the, in this regard in that you know since I started the blog I realized that I can write prose mm-hmm. which I had no idea I could do yeah. before yeah. but if you notice I have a style oh, I yes. have a yeah. very punchy style yeah. on the blog mm-hmm. and I can apply that style to the novels. And, and and write them with very much the same kind of uh, punchiness. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what I intend to do with them. Well, that'll be interesting to see. It sounds sounds like an interesting film. Oh, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And you again, it's totally original. Yeah, that's the thing. All all of my screenplays that are sitting in my briefcase are totally original. Hmm. Which, in most instances, is not a selling point. You know, yeah. people don't want original. Right, yeah, nowadays it's all, <laughs> all rehash. Yeah, it's the only way. It's got to be like something. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and um, it, my, mine are like nothing. All they are are fascinating. Yeah. And sometimes that's not enough. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I wish you luck with that. That's that sounds like it would be. I wish me luck with it too. Yeah. Because, uh, but I, but again, it's a reason to get up. See, I'm excited about going and facing the blank page with this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just as I was the first time around with them. Yeah. So. Uh, well. So that's what's going to keep me busy for a while. Also, I'm doing a slew of uh, readings and signings ar- uh, around the country for the uh, the book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, oh, what else? I'm actually going to be doing a lecture 
for Mensa. What's what's Mensa? Mensa is a society for people with very high IQs. Oh, okay. This is a re- as a result of doing a reading uh, and signing in Long Island that was attended by a couple of Mensa members. And they were impressed with what I did, and they invited me to do that. Wow. And this is, a, this is an honor. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. This, this is great. Yeah, that sounds exciting. And I'll probably sell a lot of books. That's good, too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, a lot of interesting things are happening lately. Yeah. Uh, for someone my age, who most, most of the time... People, people would think, you know, they have uh, they should just be sitting in the house and not bothering anybody. But, uh, <laughs> well, Mark, I, I thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. This, this has been fascinating, and uh, um, I wish you luck with your. your... I, I only wish that I had, uh, give, uh, you know, not uh, allowed you to monopolize the conversation <laughs> as much as you did. But... I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Well, next time we'll have it, you know, we'll work it out better. Okay. <laughs> and, of course, I want to thank Mark Rothman for taking the time to talk to us. A lot of information, a nice interview, nice in-depth interview. And uh, we appreciate him taking so much time to talk to us and uh, letting us in on all the behind-the-scene things at Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days and uh, the odd couple and everything else. We really appreciate that. If you get a chance, check out Mark's book, Showrunner. You can get that at Amazon, uh, Kindle form. And uh, you can also meet Mark, and along with uh, Cindy Williams and Penny Marshall and Henry Winkler and a whole bunch of other people from Laverne and Shirley on October 1st and 2nd in Chicago at the Ray Courts Hollywood Celebrity Show. So if you want to check him out, Say hi and tell Mark that you heard it on On Screen and Beyond, all right? So that's about it. We're going to finish up this week's show, and next week we come back with another interview for you. So I hope you're going to join us. We're going to have a superhero with us next week, and it's all happening right here on On Screen and Beyond. If you have a uh, suggestion on who we should have as a guest, email us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we will check that out, see what we can do. And if you are on iTunes, leave a review there. Let people know about us. And uh, let's see, what else is there? Um, If you're on Facebook, like us. We're over there. And uh, go to our homepage at onscreenandbeyond.com. Scroll down to the bottom. You'll see our link right to it, and it'll get you there. All right, so this is the wrap for this week's show. And until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.